welcome to Up To and Including Death, a very special edition. We have multiple guests kind of. here. One, uh, one voluntary. One, one voluntary guest. Um, my name is Dr. Patricia Brewer. And I'm John Brewer. My husband. And now, for the first time on air, on a podcast, is my brother... Hey, I am also Dr. Patricia Brewer. No, no, Stephen Gross. Oh, yeah, that's me. That's fun because now when we have Gross's Corner, we'll have a, t- a real double gross. gross. Yeah. All right, I'm All so right. excited. Stephen, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we are at Nana's house on Tybee <laughs> Island, Georgia, which I'm really excited about. And so you guys are probably going to hear Nana in the background. She's uh, not super well, and she, you know, you might get some stuff, some ambiance in the background, but she's doing okay, I promise. Yeah, so. maybe she'll spout some wisdom. Yeah, she will. Well, we're going to record her in a little, probably during Rosemary's Baby <laughs> is when we're going to, uh, we're recording this before we record our Rosemary's Baby episode, and I actually saw Rosemary's Baby with Nana and my now-deceased grandfather probably when I was 12. Yeah, I've never actually seen that movie. Yeah, well, because yeah. you didn't hang out with Nana and Daddy Dick when you were 12, and they make you watch Rosemary's Baby because it's a classic. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm going to get a... So, uh, Steve? Yes. How are you doing today? Good, good. I'm drinking some of John's beer. Very Yay. tasty, right? Yes. Right? Yes, okay, yes. <laughs> it's, it's very tasty. It is very tasty. Uh, John and I are not, though. We're going to do a quick Brewer's Brews then, huh? I guess so. Okay, so the brewer that brewed, what was the Stephen drinking? Uh, well, I was drinking the uh, Love Me True. Yeah, the Love Me True Lemon Ale. Which um, was uh, which was brewed for our wedding. It was? Yeah. Is that the same one, or is it... It wasn't uh, fully carbonated. Right. Time for the wedding, so yeah. it was there, but it was oh, it like carbonated. It's already. lemon, and it's very. <laughs> that was a different one. Is there some uh, from some fun foam at the wedding? I was just drinking bottles of prosecco. Yes. And yeah, you're dual wielding them, bad boys. Huh? You're dual wielding them. I was, but I was delivering them. One for one bottle was for to share with others, and the other bottle was to share with myself. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Stephen was the minister at our wedding. Yeah, and you did a wonderful job. And what was really sweet was that the kids remember the ceremony. A couple weeks later, the youngest child, the nine-year-old baby, turns to me and says, What does it mean that two become one? What does it mean for two to become one flesh? Oh. And we're all at dinner, and all of the teenagers all kind of like paused, and John and I paused. We're like, okay, honey, let's talk oh, about this. Yeah. I mean, Stephen kind of went over it in the thing, so that's good. Not in the way that she's making it sound. I wasn't no. giving them a play-by-play for a play-by-play. what they should be doing. Hey, Nana, what's up? I need a nap. Good nap. Okay. Oh, do I have one over here? You do. Thank you. It's right here, Nana. We're going to watch a movie together. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're going to, we're all going to be here. So, Stephen. Yes. Uh, one of the, you, you've come up quite a bit, and sometimes I try not to name names, but you are a big reason why I love horror movies. Yeah, no. That's, could you, on, that's on me. Could you explain to the people why? Why? Why are you the one of the big reasons why I'm a big fan of horror? Oh, man. 
Okay, I guess if you have to boil it down, growing up we didn't have cable. So we had maybe four or five channels to choose from, and one of those channels was channel 46. And every Saturday or Sunday or maybe even during the week, during the uh, day, uh, they would play horror movies nonstop. And obviously they were the edited versions, mm -hmm. you know, but... Uh, you'd have your Nightmare on Elm Streets, uh, yep. Final, you know, all this stuff. And Trish wasn't allowed to do anything, so she had to sit with me and yeah. watch this because I had to watch after her. I was legitimately not allowed to do anything. She was a kept woman. I was a kept child. <laughs> um, when I say, John, that I was sheltered, like I was literally sheltered in the home. Oh. <laughs> I mean, not by force. Not like, by we force. Were... I was very bookish. Yeah. I liked my books and my history channel back no. when. Oh. Not the PhD. Not the. <laughs> no, but uh, so Steve and I would hang out and we would watch these kinds of things um, for a very long time and we're yeah. still very much into them. Uh, so much so that I think I think it would have probably been appropriate if I talked to you before I started this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we just, she was like, wait, what? Well, I've been texting you pointers. Yeah, so. Steven's been check, testing me port, uh, pointers and things like that. And it's been really great how much my family has been Although watching. Although I almost pulled my hair out when y'all started talking about Italian horror. Oh, <laughs> the grindhouse? <laughs> just having, John's going to have to lead this because Trisha clearly doesn't know what she's talking about. What was I saying? I don't remember because that was like episode two. And first of all, I'm the one that deletes things. I'm the editor. <laughs> so it's. I'm going to edit all his things to say where it's basically Trish is the best horror expert. Send her money. <laughs> Venmo at. <laughs> no, but uh, it was it was something to pass the time. And it was also, you know, it's always been uh, fascinating to me, the idea of being scared. Yeah. Because, um, you know, if you really think about it, no one's actually, you're not really scared of much. Yeah. You know, you got the things that you trick yourself into being scared of, but mm -hmm. deep down, you're on the top of the food chain. So you got to yeah. have something to trick your brain into that fight or flight. And horror movies always fascinated me in that, having yeah. that reaction. They things. force you to recognize the kind of finality of life in right. certain ways, even in a, in a way that I think horror and comedy can be the same thing. And this is sort of stealing from Plato's Symposium when he says that. None horror and tragedy are, are the same thing. I mean, there's probably like two people that are like that took my class Nobody's that are listening to this podcast right now. Through their Plato symposium, going. It's really good, but in the end of it, Socrates says is trying to make the argument that comedy and tragedy are the same. Right. But I think the comedy and horror are a lot of the same because we're we're trying at the same time to to scare ourselves. But in a way that's facetious, in a way that um, is, I guess you call it facile, easy, that a way that like we can have it in this moment, this scare in the moment, and then we can go along with our lives and be happy. Well, they're both derived from the unknown. Mm -hmm. In order for something to be funny to you, it, have to, it has to be something unexpected. Yes. That's why you laugh. In order for horror to be scary, it has to be unexpected and something that you had not thought of before looked at before well, had experienced and then saw it you know well i think this is an interesting thing because with horror we also get the idea that like you know the thing that's going to happen you know they shouldn't open the door you know that they shouldn't do yeah. this we've uh, we experienced this like sublime or the terror right these are things that we know they shouldn't do we just watched um the movie luca 
which is not a horror movie. It's a Disney movie. Wow, it's, got, it's not one of them kids' movies. Well, it's one of the kids' movies. It's very cute, it's like and the I'm color very glad of water, but animated. because finally, <laughs> okay, I am unabashedly a, a lover of Disney Pixar. Give me one of those, and I love it. And I'm very excited that the youngest has finally realized that because I've been trying to push it, and she's finally realized she could use that against me. You know, nothing that gets me. She finally realized that she could use that, and and we could work together to make this Let's happen. Say, was she luring you into the no? Because it's like I can't <laughs> force her as a, it's like copies of Up going down. Yeah, basically, I'm manipulating. Oh, basically, I'm manipulating a child in order to watch Pixar movies with the family. As you That's do. my goal. As you do. But I can't have it come from me. It's got to come from the child. And I'm like, yeah, we got to watch what she wants to. But I wanted to watch <laughs> Luca. And I've wanted to watch Luca for a long time. Yeah. But anyway, in it, though, like there's certain beats. And I kind of made a comment that, oh, I, well, we got to wait for these two people to get that are best friends now to get into a fight. Because that always has to happen. They have to have a fight. But the reason for the fight doesn't have to be the reason you think it is. I thought it was because of, of a particular lie that one of them was saying. But it actually wasn't about that. It was about something else. But there was the fight. Right? So it's the expected and the unexpected at the same time. And I think that's with horror. Like, you expect the thing. Right. And you don't expect the thing. So, like, in the movie Insidious, when you see the monster, you kind of expect oh. to see a flash. But then they man. just... He's right there. I see that in my dreams sometimes. Yeah. Scared Dude, me. man. I saw that movie is pretty amazing, so but it's that because of that scene. you're expecting it, but you're not expecting yeah. it, right? So at the same time that you're expecting something to happen, there's something falls out and it's very Kantian. And I'm thinking about philosophy a lot because the classes are going to start soon, um, and I'm going to have some a particular student. Did you know that a certain husband is going to be my student? No, yeah. which one? <laughs> I, I emailed I emailed the sister the, husband. The sister husband. I emailed um, my university just to be like, you know, um, I talk about stuff all the time. Like I, I don't talk about students, obviously, right. but like I talk about philosophical concepts and ideas the whole time. It's kind of like my thing. Um, and so he like so I'm like obviously like I, I do do anonymous grading in most of my stuff, and especially in the class that John's taking. But I will have to say that he's going to have a leg up because he's heard me talk about all this stuff because I never shut up. And he's your husband. And he's my husband. And I made a little joke about, like, not that he listens, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure he listens. I've heard a few things. A few things. And so, and on this podcast, it happens too. So uh, if you're my student and you're listening, I'm not giving him better grades. But Just do is. the work and you'll get an A. That's how I grade. Anyway, um, but... Shouldn't give out that little bit of nugget of info. I tell them that on their first day of class. I don't oh, care. Okay. I don't have some amount of grades that I want to give out. I want everyone to get an A because that means they did what I told them to do and they get an A for it. And it's something I really like. Um, by the way, that's like most of life. Just professor life advice. The more you know, just do the thing. And, or, and if you don't know what the thing that they're asking you to do, ask them. Because half the time they're like me and so scatterbrained that they didn't really explain it great. <laughs> I explain things awesome. Okay, Steve. So, Stephen, you are a history dude. Uh, I've been known to dabble. Dabble yes. in history. And so, we're... Uh, in, in, in the first episodes, we, were, we made a call for movies that changed you or movies that really influenced right. you. The, th- the ones that really scared you. And so, like, Aunt Susu and my mom, both, the, both of them were like... The Stand was their both their favorite books, and Cujo 
Right. And Susie told me a story about how she, like, had... Afterwards, like, most of the people in the cinema went to the coffee shop by the theater and just had a cup of coffee and just stared into the abyss. I refuse to watch that movie. I can't. Yeah. It's I got puppy dogs in it, and I can't. I think we watched it as it. kids, but I don't the remember where. The is, is very different than the book. Oh, yeah, I know. I've read Gujo. It's coming <laughs> up. He doesn't remember writing Gujo. Well, but, he was coked up and drunk. Yeah, well, I just I finished reading The Stand. I haven't... I've been reading a lot of not... Not necessarily. Some trash fiction, some really good. I just read The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. Talk about a horror show. Have you read that book by uh, Rebecca Skloot? No. You haven't. I've talked to you about it. See, there's no way to know if that's a real book or not. No, no. But <laughs> I've seen it. Okay. Let Unless me you say, went to the trouble of printing I read it. Page. I read it in the car on the way down, to, yeah. down here. And in it... This woman had had the, uh, Henrietta Lacks was in the you know the 1930s, 1920s and 30s, and goes to John Hopkins University, right? Because she's got something in her belly that's wrong. Turns out she had like cervical cancer, and the doctor took a sample of her cancer, and then grew it in a lab without telling anyone in the family. Cool. And it became the most important cells to ever exist. They are still alive today. And yeah, they're still alive today. The reason we don't have polio anymore is because they were able to use her cells to make a polio vaccine. Man. Like, yeah, so basically this woman's cells, she passed away from cancer in horrible pain. And the notes from it is just basically like, you know, black woman in the 1920s and yeah. 30s, 40s. Pretty much. Just a yeah, and then the history of her family, <laughs> and like, and and that experience, which is just like in Baltimore. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, like jeez, it's a mess. It's just a mess. But anyway, so it's it's uh-huh. an amazing book. I really recommend it. But her cells are they still exist and they are used today. And and there's a part of it that's kind of not talked about in the book, the horror show of it. But like, what if your soul only leaves the body when the body dies? And what if there's parts of you that are still alive after you die? Then you should go and ask God for a refund because that's a pretty crummy way to design a universe. I know, but I'm just saying it's like you shouldn't be alive. Yeah. Hi. That was uh, a really fun interlude we had from children. I think our pod, our podcast friends are used to it. But I want to go back to, why is it, you said Stephen King doesn't remember writing cool jokes. Yeah. He's in a drunken haze. How come he can write a great novel, and I get in drunken haze, and I can almost cook burritos? <laughs> that doesn't sound fair. No. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. I think that, I think that there's this kind of genius that's involved, right? And and if he can do Cujo despite the fact that he has these issues, I think it's quite impressive. Yeah, because I remember the last time I got blackout drunk, I woke up and I half cooked plate of burritos. <laughs> woke up. Was this when you were like eighteen? Downtown Savannah. Nice. Yeah. What was pouring that? Pouring rain. I woke up on a park bench in downtown Savannah. It was pouring rain. <laughs> last time I got blackout drunk. Wow. Wow. This is very responsible. Okay. I would never, Mark never. Up. I woke up in a Parisian apartment having barricaded oh. my door. This is the difference between the doctorate and the non-doctorate. Listen, I got blackout drunk and woke up propped up against the side of the Colosseum in Rome. Yes, oh, that makes it One of the centurion guards that walk around and try to scam you out of pictures was poking me with his little spear. 
in the side. Yeah, I woke up like, <laughs> when am I? When am I? Expecting to see lions. <laughs> so, okay. So one of the things that, as I said before, one of the things that we did uh, was make a call for the scariest movie. And I mentioned that Stephen was an historian because he's not just an historian of my personal life, but of just in general. And so, you know, it has a lot of background information about how things work in movies and in life and blah, blah, blah. Mostly so, useless information. Well, I have a PhD in philosophy on um, 5th century early Christian thought. So, you know, I think it's pretty useful. And I think what you have to offer is pretty useful too. So, what are we watching tonight, Steve? Ooh, it's a good one. We are watching The Return of the Living Dead. Bum, bum, bum. 1985, yeah. the year of our Lord in which I was born. Oh. Oh. Let's see if this Wait. movie aged as well as you did. So you were born and the day you were born awfully close to each other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the year of our Lord, me, was born in <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, they do say a lot about mm. these, like, godless heathen you know, professors. Yeah. I don't think I'm godless or a heathen, but I'm a professor, kind of, of many, like many colleges. Thing, isn't godless heathen? I know, right? Except for the fact that plenty of heathens had plenty of gods. Yeah. And also the concept of heathen is kind of... Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Basically used as a blanket term for... Anyway. You gotta read The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, man. That's so good. And speaking of zombies, though, right? (laughs) Return of the Living Dead. What's it about? Oh, Uh, oh, wait. First, I want to read the prompt, or the prompt, the description that is on HBO Max, which is how we're watching it. Ghouls. With an insatiable appetite for human brains, go on the rampage in this hilarious and insanely gory 1985 cult classic. How correct is this? Okay, actually the title is actually pretty apt. Ghouls was the original name that George Romero called zombies in Night of the Living Dead. Before that, ain't never been another zombie movie. You had things like White Zombie and other movies like that that dealt with uh, Haitian voodoo. Okay. But uh, the idea of corpses becoming reanimated that weren't vampires or Frankenstein didn't have a proper name. And so in the script, he would call them either flesh eaters or ghouls. Oh. Moving on, an essential appetite for human brains. And this is something I want to make abundantly clear. This is like the only zombie movie that has zombies going after brains. Oh. This is where that started, that whole trope, you know, whenever... uh, there's like a brain yeah brains. whenever there's like a youtuber talking about zombies and they make the quip about they'll come for your brains and yeah. number 10 on the list is return of the living dead this is the movie that that came from most oh. other zombie movies aren't oh, brain they, go, they go for the abdomen yeah they? because yeah they just rip them apart the truth it makes no sense you can't how are you going to bite into somebody's head it's like yeah. the hardest part of your body except <laughs> in the movie warm bodies which oh, is yeah. which a part of it is it's not a horror movie, but it is zombies eating mm-hmm. brains in order yeah. to feel again. Killer Clowns from Outer Space actually put a straw in people's heads. I told you I don't want to yeah. talk about that movie. That was a good movie. That's, That's one that great movie. Yeah. I feel like that was just always on. Like our garbage father would take us places and we would sit down and it would be on. It was always on. It was a very It was uh, always on. I think it the rights got sold off almost immediately and it hit like and it was everywhere. Yeah. This was another one. Um, 1985. This uh, 
Does it John Russo and George Romero were the two original uh, players in Night of the Living Dead? The two okay. split. Okay. And they had a falling out. So in the subsequent lawsuit, George Romero got the rights to uh, Night of. Okay. John Russo got the rights to Living Dead. Uh-huh. So that's why you see Night of the Living Dead, right? But then the next movie is called Day of the Dead. Yeah. Or uh, Dawn of the Dead, Dead and then yep. De- Day of the Dead, and then Land of the Dead, Survival of the Dead, Diary yeah. of the Dead. John Russo got the rights to it. And so he wrote this screenplay um, to kind of as a cash grab. Yeah. Oh, uh, who would have was also the same year, I think, that Day of the Dead came out. Uh, George okay. Romero's third movie. Yeah, that sounds right. Check that. Dawn of the Dead came out in between, mm-hmm. right? By the way, Dawn of the Dead is regarded as one of the greatest horror movies ever made. And I agree. It's a great movie. That was black and white, wasn't it? No. Yeah, no, Day of, Night of the Living Dead. Is. Day of the Dead was 1985. Yeah. yeah. That was a cash grab movie um, because Excellent. of the buzz that you know, surrounds the George Romero movie. But in my opinion, this movie eclipses Day of the Dead, it's just in its campiness and like over. It's just it's a fun movie. Day of yeah. the Dead is serious. It is all about like just the world ending, and it is just bleak. But this movie is bleak, but it's hilarious. All right. The, and the ratings of a show too. How Way let's higher these than ratings. the average horror movie. Yeah. On IMDb. It has a 7.3. Wow, that is really is, high for, for a horror them, movie. For them but cynical neckbeards, that That's is basically, yeah. yeah. Rotten Tomatoes, a 79% audience score. Holy crap. And a 91% critic score. Holy crap, man. This it movie is a, was... Red the, State was only like 60% and that was amazing. This movie is oh. one of those uh, cultural landmark movies when it comes to horror. And even um, when it came out... Now, this movie, the, the sequel came out, it had a Pepsi endorsement. Pepsi? So, Are there going to be a bunch of people drinking? Oh, hold on. No, this Let's was, stop fighting this zombie was, and have a nice cool dad. That was pit. the um, sequel that they did oh. that to. And like they had Pepsi commercials with zombies. These particular zombies running around. I wonder wow. if that's where my predilection for Pepsi comes from. It's gross. No, because I love these horror movies at this time. And if I'm seeing Pepsi in them, I'm You also have a Pepsi. horrible taste in soda. It is terrible. You know where you are, right? Yeah. No, you, you and I've had these conversations. <laughs> you know who likes. You know who generation. likes Your voice Diet down. Coke. Neighbors may hear. You. It's for the next generation. <laughs> you know who likes Diet Coke is uh, is one of our sons. Yes. Uh, he really likes it, and he uh, always asks for it. Doesn't, from. and he could get a different. He can get Mountain Dew or Coca Cola. He likes Diet Coke. Well, I got to represent my home area, and Verner's is the best. Anyway, doesn't even use real ginger. It does use real. It ginger. says that, but it says flavoring in that yeah, there's no ginger in the ingredients ginger. list. No actual ginger in the it ingredients list. It is the list. only ginger ale in the world. Okay, whatever. It's not. It's it's called a ginger beer. It's not ginger ale. No, it's ginger ale. That's not what it says on the on the thing. It says ginger beer, and it says that it is does not right. have any. It doesn't say ginger. Okay. Right, Terry Pratchett, right? Yes. And the Night Watch. Ginger yeah, the ginger beer. That's all yeah. I can think about it. Yeah, it's like yeah. oh, ginger beer. Okay, so I think that we should get started. We yes. had a little bit of Brewers Brews. John is drinking a PBR. Now I am. Now you are. I've been drinking Guinness. I was um, drinking a local. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's say the type. Oh, I was drinking Tybee Blonde. I was drinking Tropicalia from Creature Comforts. Nice. Brewed in Athens, Georgia. Oh, nice. Which is right near the Guidestones. 
Oh, we did Correct. go to the Guidestones. I think it's a couple hours away from the Guidestones. Yeah, I thought yeah. It was closer. Georgia Guidestones are in Elberton, Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, it was a really nice drive uh, from the Guidestones to Savannah. It must have been the nearest. It was mostly yeah. farm. So it was a nice. chance to read up on the history of Guidestones. Yeah, yes. John has been obsessed with the Guidestones <laughs> in quite a while. The UFO, site, the UFO thing when it was erected. Oh, I didn't what? know the UFO Yeah, thing. okay, so according to lore... Uh, like, and I think the Guidestones got put up in 85 or sometime. Uh, 1980. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, around the same time that, uh, Stone Mountain got put. Anyway. Yeah, it got uh, super racist. So, there's, like, all these weird, um, like, crazy instances in, with the Georgia Guidestone. One was, like, the creator of it, just J.C. Christian guy who doesn't exist. And, um, another one was that when it was put up, when they erected the Guidestones, they reported a bright light was shining above it and they said it was a ufo but it could have been angels or anything else stupid like that because it's yeah. you know obviously it didn't happen but <laughs> like yeah they said like ufo was like just witnessing the erection of this like these pillars <laughs> like, what the hell is he doing these pillars in the middle of a field in georgia yeah it's an interesting sight though. it was it's a very is it still in the middle thing. of nowhere it is still in the middle of nowhere. There is not even a gas station within five miles. No, there isn't. And but it is on Georgia Guidestone Boulevard or something like it's, that. Uh, yeah, the Guidestone Boulevard. That's your only thing on that road. Yeah, but and you it go is, to it. Uh, you par- but there's a nice little parking area. Um, it is frustrating that the uh, alleged time capsule. It doesn't say when it's supposed to be opened. It says no, to be opened on. Uh, yeah, it's. So, the whole purpose of the Guidestones was to be in a place that was far enough away from major city centers in case of a nuclear explosion. Mm-hmm. And, the yeah, the time capsule, I am almost convinced that there's nothing in there. I don't even think there's a piece of metal under it that no. is a time capsule. I think that just says, oh, there's a time capsule. Because this guy allegedly didn't even show up to the unveiling, so he wasn't oh. there to, for it to be buried in the first place. How would you know he did? And well, how would you also know that they because, even were buried properly? Well, he came to visit the guy, the marble guy who built it. Yeah, and the guy honestly, that was, yeah. I think it's just the marble guy that so did it. Told, I think he's just weird. Well, he told the marble guy to have like an unveiling opening ceremony. Yeah. And then he was waiting for Like him he didn't even use up. his real name no. yeah. to do this. Like, And so it was either an eccentric you know, millionaire. Or the marble guy did it, which I think is what I happened. I think he did it. There's no evidence that. that this other person actually existed. It sounds like the marble guy was no, like, "Yeah, my marble is really good." No, he he um. There's no pictures of him. He published pamphlets. Yeah, but the marble guy could have done that. But he was publishing them out of the same place that the marble or the other guy said he came the, from in Illinois, I believe. Sure. The only thing that I have is every time you see uh, Georgia Guidestones, it's usually followed by where it is, Elberton, Georgia, and the phrase that uh, the the. The phrase of Elberton, Georgia, is the granite capital of the world. Yep. So every time you see uh, uh, anything for the Georgia Guidestones, you see in Elberton, Georgia, the granite guide, uh, the granite capital of the yep. world. Like it may, it's the cynic in me that thinks that uh, it was probably done as a promotional ploy that got out of hand. Well, it's basically what. So 1980 was when The Simpsons came out, right? 1989. No. 1989. Okay, because I was just thinking of the episode of The Simpsons in which. Um, the angel statue was discovered, and it turns out it's just Mr. Burns hit it so that it could be. It's because there's going to be a new mall that yeah. was erected. That's all I can think about. Okay, so we're watching Return of the Living Dead. <laughs> yeah, like 
Um, we are having, <laughs> this is a really fun conversation. So we're going to watch Return of the Living Dead. I don't know, um, we're going to watch it and have a good time. We're going to probably stop and chat about it and give a good, some recaps. I'm assuming a bunch of people get eaten by zombies. I'm excited. I love this uh, or movie. Or ghouls. Um, all right. So let's get going. Yeah. Yeah. Steven, could you repeat what you just said? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Dan O'Bannon, uh, this guy wrote the screenplay for Alien. Oh, he also wrote the screenplay for this he and also, directed it. Yeah, he also wrote the screenplay for this as well. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Alien is really good. Almost as good as Aliens mm. or Prometheus. Oh, oh. What? John and Steve both looked at me with a look that was so mad. It was delicious. Mm. Um, at the same time. She okay. Just left her in Michigan. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's keep going. Oh, my gosh. This is very interesting. Yeah, I wonder if that was... I mean, he was one of the writers on the original. Is this all true? Okay, so the movie begins. It is based on a true story. All real names, all real places, all real companies. Everything is real and 100% correct. We've got a random dude in a sleeveless shirt. And a painter's cap. And a painter's cap. All the rage back in the mid-80s. That is like the dude that's... I guess the new guy in the uh, that's in the office for this weird like medical uh, warehouse, but everybody else that works there wears button-up shirts. So this is the new guy, and he's dressed like he's at the gym right now, and he's gonna do some stuff. And they're showing him like split dogs and skeletons and and how we're gonna ship things. And then we cut to a bunch of like super done-up '80s kids. That are like, where are we? And they're like, walk, wait, wait, they're walking down a canal somewhere, and they're like, where are we gonna party tonight? We can't go to the park because the cops are gonna get us. <laughs> and they look just like the way our kids dress, um, <laughs> which is very over the top. And so, uh, uh, so now we get back to like the office where button up dude and the muscle shirt guy are talking, and the button up dude is explaining how the movie Night of the Living Dead. It's based on a true story. It explains what the story is, but we're in the sequel to that movie right now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And it all makes sense. Like, it's uh, evil chemical corporations testing things for the army. And then it, and it spilled, and it seeped through into the morgue. And and, and, the, and all these bodies are jumping around. And then afterwards, they sent all the bad dirt and the bodies to the wrong place. Typical army screw-up. Yeah. And Military some, intelligence, my foot. No, I know. And now, and now the bodies got shipped to this company. Where did he send the bodies, Steve? They sent it to Unita Medical Supplies. <laughs> this is where they are right now. This is pretty. And they're just like, by the way, in the background, there's just hand painted cross sections of dogs, antelopes, and chickens. Yeah. <laughs> There's a skeleton. No, there's a skull with a brain inside of it just on the desk. You know, that guy, I can't remember his name now. He's he's a famous actor, though. Yeah. Um, he tells that story the same way that someone tells a story that they uh, when they saw an alien. 
Like, it's like that drunk uncle that you have that gets really intense. No, I swear. On you. Everyone me. else was asleep <laughs> in the car, and and they were asleep in the car, and then the lights went out, and they started flickering, and the car stopped moving. This is our dad that said that. <sighs> and the, the car starts flickering, and the and the windshield wipers went down. Mom later said, "Yeah, I was asleep, and I hit the door no, yeah, handle." I remember it happening. <laughs> oh Mom yeah. Mom had her hand out the door. Of the car mm-hmm. slapping the side of it, she was just messing around. Yeah, and dad started freaking out. Yeah, and almost so like he was on lots of drugs. Mom just went with it. Oh, you know, <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. But uh, yeah, he um, <laughs> he, it's a really intense uh, I guess monologue yeah. that he has. Yeah, and like more intense than it has any right to be. No, like, the it's guy, just like, he's, this guy's just met him and this dumb kid. Yeah, and then the that phone call you know like yeah. the, the ring of like that sudden because you're you're really focused in well you could tell like he doesn't get to talk to other people often no he li- like this he is the this first new blood like the boss man he's sick of his crap he won't listen no. to him no and he's finally got someone new that he wants to tell all the secrets yeah. to uh and this kid is just like it just says all these pens explode everywhere yeah. it's still unclear to me how like like what is it that this company is because while it makes sense that they sell medical things and and they have cross sections of dogs they only have like four of them well how high can demand be for cross sections well of according dogs? to that guy he said he they get a lot of orders for well maybe that's why they can't keep them in the yeah, warehouse true. there's, there's only like four because like you know yeah they've school. got and apparently all skeletons come from india that's the rules and they all have perfect teeth which can't be right but you know what okay <laughs> yeah, so, i think they're adding the teeth in later okay here's what i needed to say yeah. have you ever noticed in movies how the skulls always have perfect teeth whenever there's a skull and so this drives me nuts so in the movie which i really love this movie but in sleepy hollow which is the retelling of uh right. the te- story of ichabod crane the johnny depp one yes so in it we have christopher walken he plays the hessian right, right? He files his teeth into points, right? As you do. And then his head gets cut off, and then the skull is seen later on. The skull has perfect, normal teeth. So you're saying he's from India? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's go. Christopher Walken's an Indian? (laughs) Jesus. I don't understand how these teens are all going to party None of them brought any booze. They don't have any visible drugs. And I don't see anything for music. But they did just break into a abandoned well, cemetery. Trish has not yeah. described these teenagers yet. And okay. they look like they all have drugs on them. Yeah, okay. you said visible drugs. They're probably like, in their prison wallet. They probably <laughs> have, like, toilet wine stashed in their jackets somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, like, they keep, this one girl keeps saying, I just want to party. Well, where do you expect them to keep their balloons of heroin? They're, <laughs> doing, they're doing pills and coke tonight. One yeah. thing that, <laughs> one thing don't that I, them in the open. One thing I find very realistic, though, is that the guys are, like, 35 and the girls are 16. Yeah, that is very much like this scene where these guys are like, they're so cool. And the girls are like, oh, my my boyfriend's so cool and mature. And it's like, no, he's a predator. That is the one hairstyle I could still do. The one that has a little bit on top and nothing on the side and a little bit more on the bottom. You heard it here first, folks. According to Trish, 
All punk rockers are pedophiles. I'm just saying that a, That's a, gonna get it a large statistical <laughs> bunch of them. I what? don't know. No. No, I'm just saying that the people on the screen, we've got a 35-year-old dude and a 16-year-old girl, and it's very much that idea of like, I'm so cool because I'm dating a, a mature guy. Oh, and yeah, it's like they're yeah. not mature. They're creepy. And if you are a 16-year-old person and you're dating someone in college, don't. Like, get rid of them. College kids have nothing to do with you. And it, God, if they're out of college, if they're in their 30s and they want to date an 18-year-old, there's something wrong with them. Can you edit in, like, the more you know song? The I'll more you know. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. You know, I try to tell, like, explain this thing to my students sometimes, but you can't just be, come out and say you're dating a pedophile in when the students six air like 18 and they think they know everything. And it's like, there's no difference. When they're 30 and you're 18, it's gross and weird. Um, and yes, if your parents met at that age, that's still gross. I'm keeping that in. Oh. This is like grossest corner. But anyway. <laughs> okay. I need, I need to use the facilities. Okay. Thank you for telling the podcast that you have to be. Well, John's going uh, to the bathroom. Yes. We're going to pause, Steve. Okay. Um, were you, you were involved in scenes... <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. I was less involved yeah. in things because of the whole overprotection blah blah blah. Right. I was very sheltered. Um, but could you uh, tell us? So you are you're watching this film, right. which you've seen before. Yes. Um, and you're watching these punk kids have parties and stuff like that. I don't recall you dressing like these punk kids. Mm, no. You no. you're more of the uh, all black aesthetic for right. a little bit. Um, but could you, uh, share with the people what your scene was like partying? Well, I didn't have a particular scene. I just went to the parties. Okay. Um, I had a hard time. I never went to single party in high school. I had a hard time landing on a style. I, to this day, I have a very... Your style Bad. is, uh, I got it from my brother Andrew. Yeah. I have a very awful sense of fashion. <laughs> so, all black was something that you could wear. Yep. However, um, I didn't really hang out with goth kids. Mm. I hung out, really, with my brothers and yeah. our circle of friends. And I had a few friends on the side. Yeah. But more often than not, I just dressed how I really wanted to yeah. after a certain point. It was like... Maybe 17, I just started dressing however I wanted to because I couldn't keep up. Yeah. With like, oh, I, the keeping up of it. It's exhausting. Yeah. I had friends that were really into the goth scene, but like they went through hell just trying to make themselves look like something at a Hellraiser. And now it changes so quickly because of things like TikTok and things like Fashion's Instagram. always changed. It always changed, but now you get someone that says, okay, this is the look, this is the look, this is the look. And, and I guess fashion always changes, but now somewhere as inaccessible as the Upper Peninsula, we have kids that are at the same, like, I guess, cultural milestones as people in Georgia, as people in, in LA. They're seeing this all at the same time, but... You know, it used to be where it's like the fashion would get to somewhere in waves, yeah, right? It gets yeah. to Georgia at this time. It gets somewhere else at this time. And now it seems to be all simultaneous. She should congratulate y'all. Y'all figured out how to order Confederate flags off Amazon, so. Oh, boy. Wow. <laughs> oh, boy. I was, that Not was us. a couple of them. <laughs> that was a shock when we got to South Carolina. That was the biggest Confederate oh, yeah. flag I've ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. that is... Um, 
You know, it's funny. Like, we have... Can, people do have Confederate flags up in Michigan, and it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, you guys, know, like, are not... First of all, they're not from... This is not Confederacy town. It doesn't mean what you think it means, except it yeah, doesn't mean what you claim it means. No, it it means, just means I, racism. I think it does mean what they think it means. <laughs> well, that's the thing. is That's what the whole... I had this argument, and it's so funny, because it's like... Apart from, like, I very occasionally hear people say about my culture, my history, whatever, but then you talk to them and they'll admit it. But, like, man, liberals from. Six months. I will say, let me finish. But I will say this that one thing that drives me nuts, though, is people that talk about, like, this liberal whininess of, like, well, you know, like, they just do really think it is their culture and it's their history. It's like, Mm, no, it's not. We can't just talk freedom of speech when it comes to treason. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, that, there's a line, and that's the line. Yeah, they, treason and racism. <laughs> they split the country in half. I think it's more sedition than treason. Because yeah. you have to be uh, in, Competent? in league with a foreign Okay, sedition, sedition, but should yeah. be... Uh, I think if... You know what? I feel like uh, maybe they shouldn't be able to drive on roads if they want to have Confederate flags. I understand why they get to have like, a, well, like federal them, funding at all if they want to Most of be. them live in places that don't actually have roads. <laughs> no, I mean, we have roads. <laughs> we have roads in our rural town. And anyway... But um, we'll see how much of this is kept in. It's a bit of a culture shock for John, but not that much because there's plenty of racist nonsense where we live. Yeah, but that was like on Front Street. Yeah, it's a state. Fl- is it still the state flag of South Carolina? Or did they change? I that? don't know. I don't know. I know it is from Mississippi, but it was like. <laughs> well, like in Georgia, when they first got rid of it from our flag, they didn't get rid of it. They just made it really tiny, yeah. and they added all the other state flags to Georgia. So it's like, no, well, okay, we'll take the racism. And just make it tinier. Tiny. We drove by and there was a 30-foot Confederate flag yeah. flying yeah. in front of a building on the highway. Like, wow. Yeah, he, he had a point to make. Um, yeah. Sure, only he knows what it is. And at the same time, like, I don't understand why people aren't coming to my general store. You know, it's just my rights. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, thanks. Um, so, Night of the Living Dead. So, so uh, Steve was telling us about his drip. And how, oh. like, he didn't really keep up with it because it's kind of exhausting. And I'm exhausted hearing about it myself. I mean, I like my Stitch Fix and my Nadine West. And, oh, like, they send me clothes and I, I wear them. But the idea of keeping up with trends. I've been wearing the same style since I was 15. My, except well, you for, change your short style. Except, well, kind of. Except for the Hawaiian shirts have made a huge surge in my mm. wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. I'm a fat guy and I like to drink beer. I think that's my uniform. <laughs> well, now you have a great bushy beard. You're not fat. You're big bellied. <laughs> that's that's a, a synonym. Is it, that's just a description for a <laughs> Sorry. I, I said what I said. Um, but I would say that you have a good uniform. It's nice. Um, I, I, I find it exhausting. And almost as exhausting as listening to people talk about music. Like oh. when you were talking to the kids oh, about their favorite man. bands. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk. Well, we, we will talk about music on this because there okay, will be some let's, TSOL. Let's keep going, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi. Uh, we're back. And we are 32 minutes and three seconds into the film. And I will say that John's doing a bad job of doing his job because he's the one supposed to say where we are in the film. You just unpaused it. Okay, can you get off my butt for a second? (laughs) (laughs) 
So a few things have happened, but not much. So the uh, the the fellow that was explaining, <laughs> sorry, the uh, the dude at the warehouse that was kind of trying to impress this young guy with the story about the bodies that the government accidentally sent to the wrong facility, takes the young guy into the basement to show him the zombie zombie, and he's like, oh, this is an American, and, and the kid, wait, the guy's like. Oh, is, can this get out? Are we going to get hurt or something? He's like, no, this is an American government. Army Corps of Engineers. Army Corps of Engineers. Smack. And then the smoke goes everywhere. The two main guys pass out. And then uh, when they wake up, the zombie's gone. I think he may have liquefied and turned into dust. But yeah, what he no, did do. I think do, he was melting from melting, the cryogenics. Yeah, he was melting. And then what he did do is turn into steam. And go everywhere into the facility, and there was one dead body hanging from a couple of hooks that was like screaming and stuff like that. So then we got to watch this like Abbott and Costello like dudes running after this dead naked body as they're trying to like kill it. Uh, they called Bert the owner because they're trying to figure fix this issue because apparently Bert was accidentally sent these bodies and yep. never told anybody. And in the meanwhile, we've seen had a scene where the military is looking for the bodies. Right. But they haven't found them yet. They said uh the the bodies are in these canisters. Yes. They're like um know, like toxic waste bags, yeah. you know. Uh and yeah, Bert got sent these canisters years prior and he just kinda stuck them in the basement and hid them for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like, Which honestly I've been in a lot of factories uh in my new job at Affleck. It tracks. <laughs> it tracks. So you get such a thing. It's it's a lot more hassle to have to deal with returning something that right. you that you've been sent that weight is heavy, especially. And like the people delivering it don't give a crap. They're like, hey, here you go, sign the thing, and you sign the. And if you sign for it, then it's just it is what it is. Especially if it was something that's clearly classified. Yes. Yeah. And now they've like shown up at the friend the mortician's house. Uh, and the morticians listening and, and okay so they're showing up because they want the mortician friend to burn the things meanwhile the the scrubs that are in the cemetery having a party one of them is completely naked now for some reason has a Ken doll situation right oh yeah yeah it doesn't have genitals but is naked um and is told to respect the dead when she's rubbing up all on a guy that's completely covered in an outfit full of change and things like that. He's like, people think this is an outfit, but this is way of life, man. So that's great. And Steve, you were just telling us about uh, a subplot of the film that's not really well known. Oh, it's, I mean, it, it's, I don't want to say it's not well known, but it is something that never got completely fleshed out. Where the mortician is actually a Nazi war criminal who fled Germany after World War II. And there are little clues that you pick up throughout the movie. Uh, he has a, a Mauser, is that the name of the gun? Yeah. Uh, he's listening to German um, opera. I think he's listening to the Wagner. Uh, and there's a few other scenes later on in the movie I won't get into ruin anything, but it, it points to him being a war criminal. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's just an interesting little tidbit. Just like it is for some reason, you know, just for some reason. Well, Be and it makes sense because he's been friends with the owner of the factory for about twenty years. Right. Well, it would be easy to use where he wouldn't be able to spill the beans on this if the other guy knew he was a Nazi war criminal in hiding. 
Yeah. yeah. It's kind of something to hold over. They've got bags of weasels that they're just asking. <laughs> they bags weasels. of rabid weasels. weasels. Don't touch them. You don't want to get bit. Yeah. So they Be- cut the body up. Yes. And they put them into individual little hefty bags. And the body is still animated. Like every single cell yeah. in the body is animated. So the little digits are moving around and stuff. And they take it over to the mortuary. And he tells the mortician... We have a bag, a bunch of rabid weasels that we want you to throw into the crematorium. He's like, that's not right. And the best that's part is, cruel. it's cruel. And the fact that he's supposedly a former Nazi war criminal that's in hiding, and he's refusing to burn, to cremate rabid weasels because it's cruel. Maybe he's uh, turned over a leaf. Maybe, I guess. Uh, or it could be that that was the original intent for the character, and they, as they're yeah. rewriting him to be more sympathetic. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Burning bodies out of there alive. You can't do that. Yeah. Maybe he just killed a bunch of Germans, and that's why he likes Wagner and has a Mauser. Or, yeah. He could have been one of those uh, Nazis. That's dark. Glorious bastards. Yeah, maybe he could have been one of those. Maybe he's a good guy. Maybe he's one of us. Yeah, I hope not. Okay, so let's... We are 43 minutes and 27 seconds in. It's been almost exactly... You didn't. It's been almost exactly 10 minutes. And I just wanted to, to point out, Naked lady, still naked. Well, of course. Um, they have cremated the remains of all these like different body parts, but uh, in doing so, have released. Yeah, the gas. The gases, and now the gases are in the cemetery that's right next to the facilities where all the kids are partying. They're partying because the boyfriend of the girl that's basically the normcore girl is what our kids would call her. Uh, the normal person uh, what? Um, is normcore. That's what they call it. That's, it's stupid. It just means you wear normal clothes. Um, and You're like so cisgendered norm normcore. No, it just means that it's not cisgendered thing. It's just that you wear slacks and a button up sometimes. That's what it's stupid. You have to have a name for everything. But like, but anyway, the girl that's normal is waiting for her boyfriend, who is the guy that showed up to work wearing a wife, like not a wife beater. Yeah, he showed up to work wearing his like weird like muscle like, shirt. Muscle, muscle shirt. shirt. Yeah. Yeah. And so like she's looking for him, so she's like broken into the warehouse looking for this guy. Meanwhile, all the friends, all all the little the little punk kids, are it starts raining, so they'll come running into the car and they're all really scared, and it's pouring down rain. Naked girl's still naked, but the two people that were directly exposed to the gas, the two warehouse guys, including a muscle shirt guy, they're not looking too good. No. No. They're a no. little pale. Steve, would you say that um, that they're going to have a happy ever after? Uh, yes. I think Probably. in the sense of, like, you know, they get to live forever in a way. What? Um. Yeah. Yeah, Trish, that's uh, that's exactly what's going to happen. Only if yeah. they're believers. Only if they truly believe. Let's go. <laughs> so, you know how they say that zombie movies are basically always representative of some type of, like, bad thing about society, yeah. right? It's either consumer culture or communism or capitalism. Right. In The Return of the Living Dead, what do the zombies represent? They're fast. They're vicious. They talk. 
they're smart. What do they represent? What's the big... I don't... What's the big... It, what's the message, man? There may not be one. No. I mean, you could say <laughs> consumer culture or materialism, the way that society devours... Uh, yeah, but in this on, case, but... there's no... Like, we have we have some toughs, some punk toughs, toughs that, like, think they're cool. We have some... Uh, we have just some people that run a warehouse. And that's it. Maybe it's the uh, Ronald Reagan... The only thing that'll bring us together is a common enemy. Well, like the everybody is coming together to fight the zombies, even the freaks of the punk scene. Yeah, and the, but like the they had hired one of the dudes from the scene to like come and work at the warehouse, so it's kind of like there's well, always no, but some it's, overlap. But it's punks. It's Nazi war criminals. That's true. It's locals. I don't, I don't think that. I think you're reading too much into this. I know, I know, uh, I know. The messaging was always George Romero's department. Oh. He's the one who came up with uh, the March of Communism and Racism for uh, Night, and then uh, the March of Materialism yeah. and Commercialism yeah, for... Well, that's the actually... Living Dead was the first starring role by a black man. Yeah, right. and so that's actually what first, I was... One of the first. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's actually what I was thinking about in terms of this, is because we have a black character, and... His being black is just incidental. And it's not yeah. only is it incidental because of, like, you know, they don't... There's no racism component of what's happening right now. Yeah. It doesn't come up. And he's just a guy in, in, in eight, 80s films. Right. Usually if there's a black character, mm -hmm. they make him speak. He's and, a stereotype. And he's dead in the first half hour. Yeah. And so this so guy... The punk scene, though, did have black characters in him. Yeah. Well, like, in this case, this like, guy... Breaking and yeah, breaking but two. he's not... He's just one of the, the scene of these people that are hanging out being ridiculous. Right. But they're teenagers, so of course they're being ridiculous. And uh, his outfits and things like that are not any more outlandish than anyone else's yeah, that are there. Less outlandish. Yeah, if his anything, hair is toned down a lot. Yeah, his hair is ridiculous, but so is everybody else's, and probably a little bit less ridiculous. And he is actually competent. Yeah. More so mm -hmm. than any of the other men that were that were in that particular scene. And it's not because he, you know what I mean? Is that he's like, he's not being exploited, which I think is really interesting about. Well, that happens in a lot of, like. Romero's movies yeah. and this one, um, you had black leads. Yeah. But they're, they're black, but that, you know, it didn't matter. Yeah. Like no. the lead was written for a person, not for a particular race. Yeah. And the fact of, and the fact of the matter is that this is incredibly important in film and in representation, right? And this is what representation actually means. It's that you have people that are um, not all white it's, dudes. It's just a dude. It's just yeah. a dude or a yeah. chick. Or anybody like, you know, the part isn't written unless the role is for a particular race and yeah. is, you know, important to the plot. You don't need a stereotype of yes. X to be there. You just need somebody there who's just playing a dude. Like yeah, Denzel Washington is... barely ever played a black guy. He played yeah. Denzel Washington. Well, and you know? the thing is, like, you see this in, um, in this, you have people that are weirdly, like, their characters even in even though they're like punk scene characters, they're kind of fleshed out because that's what people like that are well, like. That has a lot to do with the fact that prior to filming this movie, mm -hmm. they all got together and spent a two week boot camp. Oh wow! And rehearsing their lines, getting to know each other. And so they're actually friends and yeah, they get together. Like, I don't yeah. know much about 
filming movies or what the is uh, not. What it is. But like these guys, they got together with Dan O'Bannon, and they all lived together for two weeks, and they rehearsed their lines, yeah. and they, you know, they got to know each other, and that's why there's a chemistry in yeah. this, even with. Like the weirder characters, like Suicide and Trash. Yeah, there is like you get the sense that they still know each other. Like, yeah, uh, that it's not, not just not that like they're strange. Other, they yeah. don't like each other, but they're not enemies. And so I think that um, you know, as I as I bring up, a, I mean, you had uh, Trash takes off her clothes and things like that. But even so, it is okay. Yes, her breasts are visible, but they're. It's not in the sense that there's the virginal character and she's the she's the whore and deserves to die. Did she die first? Yes, but it's also. It well, we seemed, knew she was going to die. We knew because of the. I mean, she wasn't wearing pants the entire time. Yeah. That kind of shows that yeah, she's probably not that competent yeah. to like to continue in the world. Well, she throws caution to the wind. She throws caution to the wind, but I ju- I do think it's really interesting to see this when you hear people complain about representation like oh i can't believe they're shoving something down my and when it's just like it's not you could just have a person in it yeah. and i remember like with you with you when my friend leanne was in town and we were watching a doctor who episode and one of the time lords had uh transformed into a black woman and and you're like i can't believe they're doing this and at the time leanne didn't understand what you're talking about but i knew yeah. what you're talking about which was I can't believe that these people are using. Yeah. They're trying. They're trying to have a, a tokenism of like, look at us. We can have yeah, a black shoe woman. Shoe in somebody. But the yeah. thing is, like, these mother truckers at Doctor Who couldn't write a woman out of a paper bag. No. They couldn't do it to save their lives, much less a black woman or a black person. To be honest, and they really could use in the writers' room a little bit more people that aren't white British people. I always wondered why they don't do stuff like that like you say you have like a black character or even say uh we'll take jody whitaker yeah why not have a woman write for her why are there no women writers like i don't and so and so the idea is that the problem was not that there was a black actress the problem was that and that actress actually the one i'm thinking about was amazing and the thing is and you think about missy from the doctor series in the sense that the reason why she was good was because that actress yeah. was amazing. Yeah. And the reason why um, Donna was good is because the actress was really amazing. And, yeah. and it's not to say, and I'm not talking about trash about the other actresses, it's that it's really hard to act yourself out of garbage writing that where people don't understand women as women or as characters because they don't even think about... It's not just that they're writing male characters and the woman happens to be playing it is that they're writing a trope. Yeah. And so I think what's interesting to me is that we have this ridiculous movie that we're watching right now, but we have a black character that's a straight-up dude. Yeah. That a pretty well-fleshed-out character. Everyone in here that we've seen is pretty well-fleshed-out, including the factory worker guy that's, like, telling his little stories and whatever. <laughs> it's like, yeah, everything tracks as actual human beings in a yeah. certain way. And maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I just thought that was really interesting. Okay, so meanwhile, craziness is ensuing. We're inside the mortuary. We're 57 minutes We're in. We're 57. John, you did it. You I did it. Get, I had to get you in. usually just beat you, you to it. Yes. I do it. As soon well, as you pause it. 57 minutes in. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome, honey. 57 minutes and 16 seconds in. They've been, uh, they've been uh, trying to get themselves like cordoned off, but keep going to different rooms and rooms. 
Uh, they try to call for help. They can't get help. The ambulance people have been killed. It was a beautiful scene of like they turn on the lights of the ambulance yeah. and just a sea of zombies. And they open doors in this one. Yeah, they're smart. They we haven't brains. really touched on this about the zombies yet. They're completely indestructible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other than setting, you know, burning them alive, which causes more vapor. Yeah. yeah. And which is that is the reason why this movie terrified me so much yeah. as a kid was that there's literally nothing you could yeah. do to get away. Well, the you government could cut them into pieces and put them in garbage yep. bags, but then yeah. just leave them. But yeah. then the government, that's why the government had them put them inside of canisters and thinking and probably put them with like some kind of like chemical in the canister to try to keep them in cryogenesis. Yeah. But the canister was not enough to do it because they don't have the comp. They don't, you know, it's like, and I mentioned this off camera, I think, or off camera, off mic. John just gave me a look. I mentioned this off mic is like this, the myth of like the government being competent and like competent enough to immediately be able to take care of zombie apocalypse or whatever. And it's like, no, no. Maybe not like, this zombie apocalypse. No, this is pretty, pretty bad. I guarantee you if like the Walking Dead or George Romero would have happened, you would have had maybe a town die, but like those zombies would have been dealt with. There's yeah. one thing that people know how to do extremely well, yeah. and that's kill. Yeah. A lot better than zombies who have are just basically people with all the nasty, killy parts of us stripped away. Yeah. It's like we don't... It, like zombies don't have the... In theory, don't have the ability to use guns. Yeah. Like or these zombies, plan. on the other hand... These yeah. can plan. These, like, these can these use guys, tools. These guys, they got like a uh, dead general yeah. giving out battle plans and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we gotta, we gotta keep going. Yeah. All right. This is just to say... Trash has become a zombie because she got eaten, right? Yeah. She had a million bites all over her body. Now that she's a zombie, she's naked. She's, you know, zombie color. Right. No bites on her body. Well, uh, bites would be on her head. No, Remember? they were biting her all over her body, but, I mean, obviously they wanted to... They were kissing her. She they were maybe kissing her. So they've decided... So we've learned from the scary dead lady corpse that it hurts to be dead. Yep. Right. More an hour and six minutes and... Oh, John, you did it. Yeah. Thank you. I tried to pause. It hurts yeah. to be dead, and that's why they like to eat brains. Right. And, but trash should be covered in bites and things, but she's not. And her hair is still fine. So she didn't get bitten, but she is dead because she got eaten. Right. Yeah. Which I think is more like Yeah, it could be one bite and the rest were kisses. Okay. So. It happens. So I have finally have evidence. I have a witness nope. to John falling asleep. Nope. Nana's snoring in one corner. We're a bit, oh, we're in 23 minutes in. In an hour and 23 minutes in. John, we have seven minutes to go. And John <laughs> fell asleep for like a just second. Uh, Steve, I need a beer. Stephen called. Okay, no, you don't. But, because um, you can finish mine right here. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so lots going on, but not a lot's going on. So they are all everybody's trapped, and the cops keep showing up and keep getting eaten by zombies. I think this is and where they're just uh, showing off their special effects. Yeah, it's just like all the cops. The zombies show up. are too good. Yeah, they like they they are hiding. They're like using plans. They are yeah. basically as if a bunch of humans decided to eat brains because yeah, they're smart. And yeah, fast. and they decided to work together. But the thing is, they're better at working together than regular humans because yeah. like. 
Can you imagine a hundred humans just saying, hey guys, let's hide in the bushes so that we can lay in wait for these cops to come and then we can eat them when they get here. They have a common enemy. Yeah, but the only difference is that if you shoot those humans, they're dead. Yeah. But if you... But that was the thing that freaked me out when I was a kid about this movie. Yeah. Was, you can't do anything about it. Yeah. It's, it's just... Like, it is. As an adult watching it now, it kind of... All this fun gets taken out of it because there's... Yeah. You know, it's kind of like fighting Jason yeah. and Michael Myers. Yeah. You know, you're not going to win. But, like, when you're 10, this movie was well, terrifying. Was, I always had that the theory about why I love supernatural and alien movies is because there's no way out. Yeah. If a demon possesses you or you're fighting a demon mm-hmm. or you're fighting an alien that can subdue you with his brain, yeah. there's no way out. So I can fight back against Jason. The you can same punch and year, kick and stab. And it doesn't scare me as much. The same year that this fellow was in The Return of the Living Dead, and this is the guy, Bert... Right. That we keep thinking, how does he's how do we know this guy? Driver. He's in a night. This that's from like, from the show, from the movie. He was in yeah. a Nightmare on Street Two, Freddy's Revenge. He played Mr. Walsh. He's also been in Teen Vamp. Oh, that old gem. Killing Device, Puppet Master Five, the final chapter. Oh, we have to delve into Puppet Master. Then there's Feast, Feast Two, Sloppy Seconds. Oh, that's Feast Three, awesome. the Happy Finish. Piranha 3DD. 3DD. Um, what is the extra oh. D for? You have to say it. You have Scream to say it. Queen, oh, I get it. <laughs> Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. Because it's 3D. So he's and been in. has double Ds in it. The Alfred Hitchcock Hour on television. He's been in just a lot of things. A lot of westerns and horror. And that's yeah. just kind of like how these two things have gone. 1985, he was also in Knight Rider. As was everybody. Hey, all right. We Magnum P.I. Yeah, in 1986. Yeah. Kung Fu, The Legend Continues in 1995. I didn't realize that that was going on in 1995. Um, and Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. I remember that show. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Art McKendrick, and he was also in Walker, Texas Ranger. I have never seen an episode of Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. I, I just remember, remember the commercials. I used yeah. to watch it, and one thing that really struck out to me was the invention of Chinese food as a restaurant by a white woman. And not by all the Chinese people. Wait, no, I'm thinking of Reba McIntyre in some kind of made-for-TV movie. Anyway, let's keep going. Wow, that took a weird left wow. line. They oh. say it's for other things, but it's Okay, so <laughs> basically, when the government finally did find out what was going on, they sent a nuclear weapon. Nuclear? Yeah, they just nuked. They just nuked the town. Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah. They nuked Lexington, Kentucky. Everyone's dead, except for the zombies, which are now... Because the thing is, like, they vaporize everybody, but it's raining. Don't worry. It's raining. The rain's taking away... smoke, and it's seeping into the ground. Yeah, and some people complain of burning skin, but it's probably fine. It's cool. It's fine, yeah. It's fine. It's totally fine. Wow. That was... I've never seen that. Oh, and I thought I had, but I recently saw The Night of the Living Dead, probably with you, John. Yeah. And I realized I hadn't it's seen that either. Movie. So it's like these things, like, I think I've seen, like, Dawn of the Dead and, like, certainly Shaun of the Dead. Um, <laughs> well, Dawn of the Dead movie. is probably the most popular amongst the modern crowd. It's the one in the mall, right? 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the one that's like the straight up like it's the mall. It's that's like, the more accessible of Romero's films. Yeah, and so and for me it wasn't that it necessarily accessible not accessible it's the what the one I happened to see because yeah. like I hadn't seen these two but when I was younger I really disliked movies that were filmed in the 80s and 70s and stuff like that so I wasn't a fan of watching Why? older things something about the if the color oh, wasn't right it's like the movie be like two years older <laughs> I remember I renting these on VHS when they came out like this when is you, my wheelhouse. I was zero years old when this came out, you old fuck. I was seven when it came out, but it would have come out on DVD. And you wouldn't have remembered. Or it would have come out on VHS a couple years later. So I was like 10. Yeah. When I probably rented this from Very Video. Okay, so here's my issue with this. When I was 10, it did not have any cute boys in it or Adrian Paul of it the had, TV series Highlander. It had a lady who was naked through the entire movie. So, so yeah, this there was no attractive or naked boys through the entire movie. Uh, well, there that was sounds, attractive That came boys. out wrong. That came out wrong. There was attractive. There was also no... What? Um, suicide was pretty... There was no um, sex scenes in this movie. No. There no. was attempted sex scenes. Well, I mean, that one was showing trash the type of was person she was. And, like, it was establishing the type of crowd... Yeah, where it's just like you have people, and honestly, I've been to parties where there's like the one person that makes things way too grossly sexual. I've been a bunch of those. Just one. There's usually a handful. There's usually a handful, and it's like it's kind of sad because it's like did you have to take all your clothes off? It was gross. But it was really interesting hearing Suicide talk about himself and how no one understands him, man. Yeah. And she's just, like, gagging for it. And he's just like, get out of here. Shows some respect for the Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so we already had Brewer's Bruce. Let's yeah. have Gross's Corner. Steven, as the eldest Gross in the room um, that's not asleep currently, uh, what... <laughs> What was so gross's corner is the corner in which we talk about was the grodiest thing in the film. Let's hear it. Oh man, I would have to say when trash gets swarmed by those um, old people. Okay. Because like the she um, mentioned earlier in the film how her biggest her biggest desire was to be like ripped apart by old people for yeah. whatever reason <laughs> yeah yeah and so it happened but the way that it happens it's rainy it's yeah. just nasty and it's muddy and like she just gets mobbed by yeah. everybody yeah that's pretty gross and yeah I just thought that was gross because there's gross things in the movie but that one just kind of always freaked me out oh yeah how about you John I would say the baseball bat knocking the head off the original zombie. Oh, Tarman. Yeah. 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 That's probably the grossest thing because he Mm. was gross. Everybody was pretty wet in this movie. Yeah. (laughs) He was a new level of wet. (laughs) It was so wet. So I would say for me, um, it's right now I'm still, I feel like my gross um, nerves are deadened by Harold. And I know it's been like three weeks since we've. But Come like on, I Harold. just can't. I was thinking about it today because we were talking about the stand earlier, and it's like I can't help help it. But I would say that for me, the grossest corner is when they kind of. The, so basically, when the dude smacks the um the thing of Bob, the chemical canister, right, and all the smoke comes out, 
And then you're watching the um, the zombie that had been like cryogenically frozen start to melt. Yeah. I thought fantastic practical effects first of all, yeah. but also it's pretty darn gross. Well, that zombie looks so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I picked getting his head. Um, yeah. Head off for the baseball but, bat. But really, when he was actually another thing too would be like. When he is actually come out of the corner finally to come after things. Yeah. And the actor playing him is just so movie and loosey-goosey. So, it's amazing. If I remember correctly, it's a really thin actor. Uh-huh. I forgot if he was like a contortionist or something like that. Where like his, he is able to move his limbs. I, it's been a few years since yeah. I've listened to that. But like... Yeah, one thing that surprised me was like that's an actual actor and yeah. not a practical effect. Yeah, was, like that's a dude in a suit. Yeah, that, like, that was the scariest zombie. That was the best yeah. looking zombie. This looks so good out of probably any movie. Yeah, like as far as the look of that zombie. Yeah, it was great. He looked like he just had his skin removed and that was yeah, it. It's yeah, it's the lack of eyelids and the yeah. lack of lips. I think yeah. it was it. muscle and yeah, just sinewy and yeah. Yeah. It was pretty fantastic. Well. Steve, thanks for coming on to uh, Brewers Bruce and to Gross's Corners and to Up To and Including Death. Um, So Steve, whenever he has questions about the podcast, will text me um, or a commentary. But John, how will people contact us if they aren't my brother or sister? Well, even if they were your brother or sister, they could uh, email us at uptoandincludingdeath.com. Well, they don't always use email, my siblings, or my fans, my well, many fans. I imagine the last time I sent an email out. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to hit us up on our socials, they're all at uptoandid with the number two. Yeah. That's Facebook, Instagram, yeah. Twitter, and you can also go to uptoandincludingdeath.com. Yeah. And what, all the links and deets and the all deets that stuff. and yep. links and I'm speaking um, in a breeze. In a breeze when I say that I, it's cool. pretty good. Uh, <laughs> and we're going to be recording the rest of the stuff that we need to record later. Uh, but Steve, thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. It's been a pleasure. It will be the first of many if we can Yay. figure out how to do long distance podcasting. Yeah. Technology's hard. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like there's probably some YouTube video that explains it that I need to figure out. But the problem is, is like I have a lot of jobs. And so, and I'm also the one in charge of the audio. So it's kind of like the amount of time I have to spend on figuring out right, how to do this right. is limited. But I think I could figure it out. Hello from the future, but also the past by the time people are listening to this. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. You know, uh, I heard from this very same Stephen recently today. Oh, yeah? And he listened to our podcast and said that we've made a grave enemy because we called him old. I didn't call him old. I did, but I mentioned that you're older. Yeah, I'm older than him. So he's now never talking to me. No, I'm just kidding. He's um, he's going to have to suck it up. Just do what I tell him to, right? Yeah. Um. So that was a really fun podcast with Steve. Yeah, that was. I'm looking forward to doing more of those. So we... Uh, we just watched Night of the Living Dead with special guest star Stephen Gross. And now all we there is to do is to say what we're watching next. Oh, and next coming up is we're back to uh, Stephen King. I classic. don't want to be buried in the pet cemetery. Yeah, I think you 
This is like the third time you've sung that song. I love that song. Okay. I don't want to be buried in the pet cemetery. I wouldn't care. So we've actually already recorded this. We watched it with Brother Steve. Yep. Um, but I didn't. I haven't read this one yet, so we're gonna have to oh. probably revisit. Isn't there a remake of it? There is that I have not seen, and there's a sequel. So when I get to when I when I get to it, we can read it. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I think in the cycle of movies we watch, we should do. A remake or a sequel to a film we've already seen in the... In the podcast? Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that we got to figure out a good place in the podcast to, like, start doing that. Yeah, because there's a lot of them already. Because yeah. Pet Cemetery alone has a yeah. sequel and a reboot. Yeah. And what else have we watched that has sequels and reboots? Uh, well, there's The Stand. Yes. Carrie. Yes. Um... I think all the Stephen King ones we've seen. I think Carrie has a sequel as well. Yeah, there's... Oh, it's so good. I've seen it. Um, there's also all of the... Uh, the What's the one about being lost? Uh, in, the, in the thing the, um, that we saw that also had a reboot. Waited? It's the one... Oh, uh, Wrong Turn. Yeah. Wrong Turn, there's like seven there's sequels. There's a reboot of that, too. We also, just on our own personal note, we still have like a couple episodes of Saw to watch. Yes. And we might watch this like Saw 7 for the podcast because we're going to watch it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that's but but yeah, so maybe one that maybe there can be something that's just called sequel boot. And that's like the part of the of the order that we have where we watch a sequel or a reboot of something we've already seen. Yeah. Um but maybe also sometimes we'll just watch a sequel in that. So instead of maybe even a sequel to a movie we haven't watched yet. I like the idea of doing it while one we've already seen just so we have a point of reference. Yeah, I mean, I'm not against that, but it's also, like, we've seen this, the previous ones ourselves. We just haven't had the podcast for it yet. Uh, yeah, but I, I like the ones doing a podcast. A podcast. Oh, these podcasting it's husbands so are so needy. I'm just kidding. Oh. You're very cute. So we are watching Stephen King's Pet Cemetery featuring Stephen Gross. Um, this is a big favorite of Steve's. I saw it a lot as a kid, and you were surprised I'd ever seen it. You just said you'd seen it a lot as a kid, and I was surprised that you hadn't seen it. I, you were surprised and thought I'd never seen oh, it. Oh, I'm sorry. And uh, oh, I just like the look on your face. Yeah, you confused Alan. I confused myself. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. tired when as I'm recording this. All right. Uh, well, there's just two things left to do. Uh, stay scared. And stay married. Goodbye. of our podcast is Fire and Ice Rock Mix by Stefan Kartenberg. Copyright 2017. Licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike license. Thank you, Stefan.